through 16 will be our passage for today. Let's start by um, reading the word and and praying for God to uh, bless his word. It says this, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron, excuse me, Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in, the, in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the, uh, under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. That is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Holy Father, we come to you once again with thankfulness in our hearts. We're thankful that you have saw fit through broken, fallen men to write down these infallible words, uh, words that were breathed out by you and are profitable for us for teaching, correction, for training in righteousness so that we may be equipped and um, made whole for every good and perfect work. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for this truth that you have given. We thank you for this uh, narrative of this uh, time and place, this thing that actually, this event that actually happened. And we pray that we're able to mine the truths of this word and sing of your praise and your, good, uh, your goodness to your people, your faithfulness to your people through it. I pray, Lord, that your word is what rings true to your people today, uh, that I'm able to stay out of the way and you are glorified through it all. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So uh, as I was preparing for today, um, man, I had a lot of things going through my head. And um, for one, I'm thankful for this opportunity, right, that God has given me as a minister of his word um, and, and, and this, this calling that, that, I, that I have as a preacher of God's word is, is uh, giving me probably some of my greatest joys and, and biggest fears uh, in life. And, and the reason that is because any times you're, you're tasked with presenting God's word and you aim to do so faithfully, right, you're, you're trying to present God in a great light and, and stay out of the way. You're not trying to make yourself look good. It, it, should, it should be associated. You should associate that with fear and trembling. That should be something that, that's there uh, because we are so influenced in this world. And it's so easy to get off track and, oh, I know what the people need to hear here and and uh, I kind of went through that this week where I was kind of getting in the way of the word myself. And I, I praise God that last night, about 6.35, between 5 and 7, uh, God revealed this to me. And uh, from 7 to 11 last night, I was able to be as faithful as I could to his word today. Uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for that, that he didn't allow me to get up here and present my message, but he allowed me to to present his word, and, and I'm thankful that he is good, that he is faithful, and he does all that he intends to do, even if it's in spite of me. Uh, so I, I praise God for that. But with that said, 
as I was looking back through the book of Exodus and kind of skimming through uh, the, the, the chapters that we've gone through so far, looking at the, uh, what's called the Torah as a whole, which is the first five books of the Bible and, and the, the story that they tell, uh, the thing that's stood out to me the most, which one of our songs is kind of based around, was, is God's sovereignty, how he is, he is, he is the supreme power in, this, in creation, uh, actually outside of creation, but this is his creation, and he is the, the supreme authority over it. And seeing God's wisdom and power and, and this plan laid out from beginning to end and see it, everything come to pass that he saw fit to come to pass has been an amazing thing. But going to where we are today, um, well, within the book of Exodus, it starts off with the people of Israel flourishing in the land of Goshen, which is in Egypt, and then immediately they're enslaved. There's 400 years of slavery while they're there. Uh, by the time we get to chapter 15, they have made their way out of Egypt, and they're on their way to uh, the promised land. And uh, so we, we get this, this transitionary period, this exodus or exit uh, from Egypt to the promised land. So why I say that, that God's sovereignty stands out uh, in this is because this wasn't like a, a, a sidetrack on, on God's plan. God had talked about this in Genesis 15, that his people would be enslaved uh, to a, a foreign people. He gave this warning to, to Abraham, and, and something that people tend to, to, to think and put on to God is this like fortune-teller, future-telling future scene thing of God well, well he looked into the future and saw this is what would happen and he's laying out this story for his people and that's just not the case when it comes to God that's the way that that things work out for us because we are not all knowing like God but as we talked about last week uh, God doesn't learn anything right God for God to learn something there would have to be knowledge that is outside of him and if he if everything was created by him and for him there is no way for knowledge to to uh, originate anywhere but from him Right. So what we have to realize is if God has spoken to this situation years into the future. It's going to come to pass because he ordained it. He willed it. His by his sovereign decree. This is what was going to happen. Now, with that, we shouldn't be fearful. Right. That that. Well, do I have any control in what goes on or anything like that? Or, you know, this is evident for me. Well, it should bring peace to us because as God's people. Right. He has good in store for us. But we can we can um, rest assured that what he has said will come to pass in the way that he sees to do it. And he will be faithful to his people in, in, the, in the midst of that. So with that in mind, um, I was kind of thinking about this morning for myself. God had a plan for this message this morning. And and in my plan, I had other plans. Right. And in, in the midst of that, he convicted me of what I was wanting to say and was like, no, you're not going to do that. So it. Eventually, right, I had plans, but God directs my path, and I'm thankful for that. Even this morning, it was stressful. Lily slept longer than she's ever slept in her entire life, and not wanting to wake her up and get her cranky, possibly. I was like, I'm going to let her sleep. It was like 9 o'clock, and we're usually up here by 8. And Oh, man, it was, it was very stressful, but on the ride up here, um, we have this lullaby CD. That's a, it's scriptures that it reads, and, man, I'm so thankful that... Um, like what it said, it was, I forget the words now, but it was just like, don't worry and, and trust in God, you know, lean on him for your understanding and, and uh, thank him for all that he has done. And it, just, it was like this wonderful reminder uh, of how good God is in spite of 
who we are. So I've been super emotional this morning, so forgive me, right? I've, I'm trying to come up here and pray and, and listen to songs, and God is just like working in me because he's just so, he's good, and, and seeing it, you know, seeing how just like these Israelites, just as foolish as them, and, but God is faithful, and, and it's just, oh, it's, it's so good, it's so good. With that in mind, I keep getting off track, but with that in mind, the, the Israelites, right, they went from Egypt and they're traveling back to the promised land. Something that we can easily forget uh, with this journey that the Israelites are on, we're like, why doesn't God just take them straight from Egypt to the promised land? And it's a, I, I want to say it was like a four to six day journey. It was, a, it was a short time span. Why did he send them all over the place before he took them to the promised land? One of the things I think that, that gets lost uh, in the Exodus is the fact that when God met Moses at the burning bush, he told him to take his sandals off. He was standing on holy ground, right? He, Moses w- uh, was, was given this, this uh, vision of God, this uh, theophany is what we call it, and, and he was told to take off his, his shoes. This is, this is holy ground, and God was not going to just take his people in the same fashion. He wasn't just going to take them from Egypt and place them in the promised land. Um, without consecrating them, without growing them and maturing them and, and purging the evil from within them. And, and I, what, I, what I like about that is, is kind of what we talked about last week a little bit is the fact that when God took the Israelites out of Egypt, he wasn't, his intention wasn't to take Israel out of Egypt, it was to take Egypt out of Israel, right? Like these customs and things that they've grown accustomed to and the way they lived, he wasn't going to just plant them in the promised land and have all this, this filth, these, these bondages and chains and these ways of thinking on them. He was going to work all those things out of them as he took them into the promised land. And along this journey, we get to our passage today. And, and I find this so, so comforting and, and, and um, wonderful because just like the journey we're on today, I'm thinking about myself there's so many hangups from, from my own personal life, the way I think, the way the world tells us to think, that is not the way that, that God works, and, and we need these things worked out of us, and, and God is faithful to do that. So um, our, our passage today is, is one piece in this larger puzzle of that, and I believe what we're going to see here today in our passage is, is another clear example of, of man's responsibility to God and God's faithfulness and providential care uh, of his people, right? We see God's sovereignty over all of it, but we, we are still responsible for what we do, and God is still going to ensure that what he has called to come to pass will come to pass. So we're going to look at that today. That, that's all this rambling I'm doing so far. That's where it's, this is where it's leading us, is, is uh, to that. So our sermon summary, if you're taking notes, is this. We owe everything to God because in him we live and move and have our being. We owe everything to God because in him we live, we move, and have our being. So let's start uh, by rereading verses 8 through 10, uh, and we'll take a look at, at man's responsibility from these verses. It says this, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So you may ask yourself, how do we see man's responsibility here? What is God trying to tell us through this narrative, right? Through through this narration of this time in history, what is God trying to tell us? 
Well, once again, as we've been preaching through uh, the book of Exodus, we've seen lots of things. One of the things that we've seen is Pharaoh's attempts to hinder God's people from worshiping him as the one true God, right? This was a, a sinful act on Pharaoh's behalf to try to hinder God's people from serving him. And for anyone to try to do this, any attacks made on God's people, uh, in essence, would be viewed as an attempt to overthrow God's claim over his people. Right. So Pharaoh was trying to hinder them from going to the promised land to worship him. Anyone who attempts to attack his people along the way would be viewed in a similar light as as Pharaoh. So Moses has been tasked with leading God's people to the promised land to worship the one true God. And if we go back a couple of chapters in 1414, Moses tells the people uh, God tells Moses to tell the people this. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Right. In this verse, in essence, what he's telling them is all you have to do is obey and, and follow the commands I've give, given you. Do not question it. Do not grumble. All you have to do is obey and trust God with the consequences. Right. He is going to fight for you. You go where I'm leading you. You do what I've called you to do. I'll take care of everything else. Right. There is no need to question or protest, as we saw in our passage last week. Where are we going to get water? You brought us out here to die. God will provide, right? God is faithful to what he has called us to. We are responsible for carrying out what he has commanded of us. So um, as we see this taking place in these verses, the Amalekites are seeking to conquer and plunder the Israelites. They just view them as, as another people group that they can steal riches from. If we remember from uh, Exodus 14 and 15, we see that the Israelites plundered the Egyptians during the Passover after the firstborn of every household was, was killed. The Israelites were, were told to leave and they plundered. They took gold, silver, jewels. They took all these gifts or uh, they, they, this plunder from the Egyptians to carry them through the promise, or to the promised land. So they would have had a lot of things that the Amalekites would have seen shimmering and shining right during the day and that they would have wanted. So uh, to get a little background on the, the Amalekites or uh, uh, Amalek, which... It's just the, the generic name for this group of people because he is their, their they are his descendants. Uh, they, uh, Amalek is actually the grandson of Esau. Uh, and, and these descendants of his, these Amalekites, they were located just south of the promised land. They weren't in the promised land. They were right south of it. And they were kind of this nomadic tribe who just plundered and tried to conquer people as they saw fit. Uh, so they saw the Israelites. Uh, they saw they had nice things and, and the fight was on, right, as we see in verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with, with Israel at Rephidim. So the responsibilities, let's take a look at that. What responsibilities do we see in this passage for Israel? What, what are some of the things that uh, are, are just a given from as we read these passages? Well, first, Joshua uh, was called to choose men and to lead them into battle. First, that was, that's the first thing we see here. There, there's a battle that's going to take place. Joshua is given this task with leading the Israelites into battle. Moses and his companions, Aaron and Hur, are told, or we are told that they are going to the hill uh, with the staff. And for the, all of Israel, all the people, they are told to trust God in this time, right? There is no need to fear. God is with them. He will never leave them, never forsake them, right? This, there, there's a role for all the people of God to play, right? There is not anyone who is just to be a, a, a seat warmer. Everyone has a role within the body of Christ. So uh, with Joshua's introduction, th this is the first time we're hearing a Joshua in Scripture. 
And we're not given his age or, or any kind of any of his accolades up until this point. But what, we, what is believed is that he has proven himself as a loyal and competent leader for Moses uh, to trust with leading the Israelites in the battle. As I was doing my study, one of the things I found in uh, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you can kind of read them uh, together. They kind of give the same account through the wilderness. Uh, most, of the, most, of the, um, most of the letters are kind of follow the same line. They fill in gaps for each other. In Deuteronomy 20, we get, we get these parameters by which the Israelites are to battle. Uh, and I find this really interesting, and this is, this is why we see in this passage today that uh, Joshua wasn't told to just gather all the men, or if there was a standing army, it was choose for us men to go out and fight. In Deuteronomy 20, what we're told is if there's any excuse you can make to not go into battle, don't do it. Don't force, don't force these men into battle. Only take men who are willing to fight for the Lord, right? You're just supposed to, if there's a million men and only five of them want to, are willing to put their life on the line for God's and his sake and his people, take those five. That's enough, right? Whoever is willing to, to serve God and go into battle, these are the men, the men that he wants, right? These aren't trained killers, these are, these are just men, right? These are, these are men, and, and men who desire to answer the call that's been given by God, and, and they trust him with what he has commanded. I, I, I tend to get on, and this is where I, I got sidetracked, so bear with me a little bit. I was so, I, I, I want us to see men in the light that God has called us to. Men are, men is, being men is a good thing. When someone says be a man, this is not a negative connotation. It shouldn't be. When scripture speaks of man, this word man uh, in Hebrew, it, it can be translated as servant uh, or a man, right? A, 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 in distinction to a woman, right? A, a man or a champion and not a champion in the sense of, oh, he's the, the great conqueror or anything like that. When someone's the champion of a cause, right? They have a conviction, a, a desire to see that thing come to pass. And that's what scripture talks about as being a man. Right. When, when we're called to be man, that's what scripture is talking about. Follow what God has told you to do. Whatever he has spoken of in this word, you do that and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Right. It, it is so important for us to see this in scripture. When it speaks of man, there is a distinction made for man in scripture and the things that we're called to do. Right. So that, that's where I, that's what got me off track. If, if you're wondering how I got I, I see man and I want to I want to preach to man. I want I want us to step up as men and lead in our homes, lead here in the church. Be that example. Be Christ in our home. Right. That, that's what we're called to do. And, and it, 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 uh, it it's a it's a passion of mine. I, I can't say that I do it well myself. There's there is a desire for it. And, and I, we all need work, but we all need to lean on each other, right, and, and strengthen each other and do this together. But it's such an amazing grace of God that, that we see is that he is not asking us to be these great men. He is the greatness that we cling to, right? God has called us to be servants, to serve. He has called these men to serve the body in this time. That's what we're responsible for, our faithfulness to God, right? He is the great one. He is the one that is going to care for us. Our responsibility is being faithful with what he has given, right? Scripture tells us time and time again that he will shame the wise with the foolish things, and he will use the weak things to shame the strong. God does not need our help, right? He has called us to action, and we are to follow in what he has called us to. But with that in mind, 
God has not called us just to mindlessly go out and, and take on every battle known to man. God has called us to, uh, or he hasn't called us to claim victory over anything uh, if, if we are to go to war. He has established order and role, uh, roles for his people today. If he tells us to do it, that's where we go. We don't just go into the world doing random things in the name of the Lord. We follow the instructions he's given in his word. And that's, that's where victory is won, right? When we do the things that God has called us to. So what do we see with, with the people? For, with Joshua, uh, he took some of the men into battle. Uh, some of the men, like we said, uh, some stayed back and they stayed behind with the women and children. Moses, Aaron, and Hur traveled up to the top of the hill. Um, it may be thought, was he doing this because uh, he was fearful of, of going to battle? Why was he not leading the charge? Moses, Aaron, and Hur had roles to play as well. Right? There was a specific task uh, given to them. Uh, Moses, is God, as God's servant and representative here on earth, had a, had a role to play. His role wasn't to be on the front lines, swinging a sword, killing the Amalekites. His role was to be a representative of God. He would take the staff with him. Uh, this is the same staff that turned water into blood, that parted the Red Sea, that struck the rock and made water. Uh, this, this staff that he would lift up would be assigned to the people, right? He climbed up this hill, he held up the staff, and, and there was a purpose for that, right? Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, right? Moses had a role to play. Moses had a role to play. He was to be an intercessor for God's people, the staff would be raised up as a reminder to God's people of the power of God at work for them. Moses took his place not to be seen, but to raise up the staff as a reminder of God's power that was at work for them. Today, we, t we tend to forget as we go through our battles with the flesh, right? This, the flesh is what we're at, at war against. It's, it's ourself and our own sinful desires that are, that are skewed. But we forget that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to display perfectly his power over sin and death for his people, right? We look to him for our help, right? We look to Jesus Christ for our help. Instead of dwelling on the sins of our past, we need to look to the hill where our help comes from. It is the Lord and it is he who has already won the battle for us. Amen. It is he who we derive our strength from to walk in a manner worthy of him. It is he who has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We have no excuse to not walk in obedience. Church, we must remember today that sin is crouching at our door. Its desire is to destroy us. Right? Its desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. We must fight it. And look to the hill where our help comes from, right? It does not come from our wherewithal, uh, you know, pulling, up, pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps. It comes from the Lord. That is our responsibility. We are to look to him for all things. So what happens when we do look to him for all things? When, the fight, uh, when we fight for the Lord and look to him for our strength, help, and protection? We see that in verses 11 through 16. Let's reread those verses. It says, whenever Moses held up his hand, 
Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until going, the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people uh, with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven, under heaven, excuse me. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner, saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So at first glance, when we read this, if if. Um, let me just say it this way. If you've been a part of a church or you've seen prosperity preachers and word of faith preachers that kind of talk about this, you may view this. Your view may be skewed as well, as long as Moses had his hands up. Right. This power was in Moses's hands. You, you may think that that his hands were the reason for this. But as Moses himself said earlier, he was taking the staff with him. Uh, we could safely conclude that Moses was holding the staff above his head. It, it wasn't about his hands, right? Uh, his hands were holding the sign to the people of God that he was, that, uh, that was watching over them, right? His hands weren't the source of strength. It was the staff that God has given them as an example of that. As Moses uh, tried, uh, tired of this, excuse me, God providentially ensured for Moses that he was not alone as he went to the hill. I think this is important, and we'll see more about it in chapter 18, but uh, we, we can see that God has not called us to be individuals, right? He has called us to come together. And in chapter 18, we get an example of, of uh, we get Jethro's advice to Moses on how he is to spread out the load amongst the people. But we get a little glimpse of that here as Moses had Aaron and her with him uh, f- for assistance. But I think as, as the body of Christ, we see some significance here that, that we're, we are not individuals. We're, we're, body, we're parts of the, the, the body, right? We have a role to play. Some went to battle, some stayed home, some climbed the hill. All the roles were important. And uh, all of them were significant in their own way. Today, as I think about this, this reminds me of the congregation, right? This, the roles that we have in church. Uh, us as preachers can't preach or teach or pastor if there's no congregation. Uh, congregation, if, if you're not listening and, and working and volunteering, willingly serving, there, there's no, the church won't work. The church won't work that way. We all have roles to play. There's not one that's better than the other, but they're just, they're significant that we have these distinctions in our roles. Once again, they're just set apart. Not one is set over the other. They're all set apart for the greater good. God has designed these things, and we, and this is the way that he uh, has called it. We are to be hearers and doers of the word. I think from just the way our, our church has been decorated, right, we get a clear example of that. V, VBS took a lot of man hours and woman hours and kid hours, right? It took a lot of hours to put, have this thing come together. But every Sunday, there are, are a lot of moving parts uh, that, that help this service come together. I mean, the, the music ministry, as they're practicing throughout the week, they're, they're picking songs and singing the songs and, and practicing and, and trying to ensure that these songs match with what we're preaching. So the words are sung, the, the words are, are read, and then the, the preaching, it all fits together. Our desire is to to put forth our, our, our best effort, faithfully uh, present God's word so, so that as a congregation we are, we are washed with his word, that we are nourished, and then we leave here 
uh, full, right, with a full belly of God's word to, to nourish us, to energize us, to, to get us through, uh, the, the, not necessarily through the week, but to, to, re, to refocus where our minds are, that we are uh, focused on, on God and, and, and his work. So there's, there's a lot that comes into play, and God is commanded, and, and we need to obey the call that he has given. Now, if you're sitting out here and, and you don't know where to serve, I guarantee you we can find somewhere for you to serve. I just, just, just come to me, ask. I promise you we'll find something for you. There is always something to do, right? There is always something to do, and God has not saved us to just put us on the shelf and look like this fish back here, right? He, is, he has designed us to be body, parts of the body, right? Uh, we're all parts of the body. Amen. So if that was kind of our, our mindset on, on that it's the hands, and we know that that's not correct, um, what was the, um, excuse me, it, it may have appeared Moses was the cause for blessing for Israel, but how do we come to the conclusion that it wasn't him? Right, because Moses gets a lot of uh, accolades through Scripture, uh, through the people of Israel. Like, there's a lot of of um, reverence that's given to Moses as a man, and I think a lot of it is is off 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 place. I mean, it's it's all of this goes to the Lord, but I think Moses understands his place within the body of Christ, and he tells us that in verse 15. It says Moses built an altar and called the name of it, "The Lord is my banner." Right. Uh, Jehovah Nisi is what this word is and, and what this is like is like a if you ever seen any you know uh, pirate movies right they have this the jolly I think it's called the Jolly Roger right the flag that's got the skull and crossbones and when you saw that you're like uh oh these people are coming after us you knew what that flag represented right if it was a British flag or whatever flag there was a, an idea in the minds of the people of what that flag represented whether it was royalty or or uh, pirates or, or whatever, there was, a, there was some, a picture that was given to the people who saw that. Moses having this banner as the Lord is my banner, right? It's this recognition. This is who we come in the, in the name of, right? It is a recognition that this battle was not won by cunning strategic tactics or sheer strength in numbers of the Israelites or even in their own um, faithfulness, right? It wasn't even about their own faithfulness. Uh, it was about coming in the name of the Lord and God, uh, fighting this fight for his people. He recognized that when he fights, when the Israelites come to fight, that they come in the name that is above every name, right? That at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the name that they came in. This is the banner that they waved, right? This doesn't mean that we're to go around once again, just kind of taking this banner into every place, thinking that we're going to have some kind of victory everywhere we go. This means that we are to obey the voice of the Lord, right? You are only to listen, right? You are to listen and obey, uh, and he grants the victory where he's called us to go, right? So we, we have, like I said, there's a, a false teaching that goes around that if you just say in Jesus' name, it's going to happen, right? You just say, we got to say this, oh, you're healed in Jesus' name, or... Or you'll have that in Jesus' name, right? That there is power in his name. But if, if God has not commanded that, you're doing that in vain, right? You have not come in the name of the Lord. You have came in the name of yourself, right? God has a plan, right? He directs our path. We plan, we plan our steps, but he directs our path. If that path takes us down somewhere we don't want to go, and we think saying Jesus' name is going to put us back where we think we want to go, 
you're, you're, you're going to be sadly mistaken, right? That was what was my problem over the course of this week. I was going in the name of Laramie, and God, God corrected that, right? I, I'm a prime example of that today. Uh, God, we go where God calls us to go, and, and he is faithful to steer us straight because, like I said, we, we want to go left and right. We're these sheep, right? We tend to stray. We need that shepherd that leads us, right? His rod and his staff, they comfort us. This is, this is the God that we serve, right? So I'm, I'm just so thankful for that once again. But we have to realize God has spoken through his word, and we must obey that. We have to follow what he has said. I kind of got a little uh, ahead of myself, but what does this mean for us today, right? What if, with all this in mind, our responsibility, God's faithfulness and his providential care for us, uh, how he gives victory, what, is, what does all this mean for us? It means that if we are God's people, as God's people, there is a battle going on right now, right? There, there's a spiritual battle that, that we are all up against. Ephesians 6, uh, 12 tells us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right. We have this duty of being God's people or we have the duty of being God's people that while we are traveling in this present age, right, the world we live in, this is, which is not our home, right? The scripture tells us that we are sojourners or exiles. We're like the people of the Israelites in the wilderness. We are, but we are headed to the promised land. Every day, we're one day closer to being reunited with Christ. That, that's where we're headed. We must be salt and light in this world. We must be pointing people to Christ, right? We must be these, this holy nation that he has called us to. That, that's what he said in his word that we are. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right. And we are to take that message of that good news of Jesus Christ to the world. We are to take that message out there. But as we're on our way, it may it may seem like right as we are on this journey in life, it may seem like the Amalekites are coming from the east, the west, the north, the south. Right. It may seem like we are getting attacked at every angle, but we cannot forget where our help comes from. Right. No matter where the attacks are coming from, whether it's within our family it's at work, it's with our health, uh, it's, it's with anything, anything. It's, it's within our church, right? We're going to have problems here at church as well. No matter where the problem comes from, we must always look to where our help comes from. And that help is from the Lord. Right? It, it won't matter how many hours you've studied the Bible, how many scriptures you've memorized, how much you've given Right. None of none of those things are going to save you. None of those things are your banner. Right. You don't come in the name of I've put in 40 hours of study this week. Right. That, that's not what those are good things. We should be doing that. Right. But we don't come in the name of those things. Those are works. Right. Christ is who saved us. We come in his name. That's that's the name that is above every name. Not what I can do. It's not about that. Right. We do those things, but that's not where our faith is. Right. Our faith is in the Lord. It is found solely upon him and his finished work. Right. He said it himself. It is finished. Right. It is finished. He has done it. The battle is won. We are just walking. We are going not going through the motions, but we're we're, we're just going where he's called us. And, and like like the Israelites to the promised land, this victory was theirs. Right, this was promised to them. They were gonna they were gonna wipe out the Malachites. God told them right that um, 
that the, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation, that he will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven, right? He, I mean, he was going to utterly destroy, the, completely destroy this people. It was just a matter of time, right? God was going to do this through his people, but we have the responsibility of following through with what God has called us to. We are to be those who are crying out to the world of the good news of Jesus Christ, and all who have ears to hear will hear, right? If, if they are his, they will respond. All his sheep hear his voice, and they will follow him. So in closing, what is our, our big takeaway, right? It, we go back to our sermon summary. We owe everything to God because in him we live and move and have our being. We are to seek him while he may be found. We are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him and he will make straight our paths. I want to tell you today that if you are in Christ, he is your banner. As you walk, he is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But if you are not in Christ, he is not your banner. He does not walk with you. You are actually on the side of the Amalekites. You are actively fighting against God and his people. If this is who you are today, if you no longer desire that, and it, or you have been someone who has been stagnant in their walk with the Lord, that can change today, right? You don't have to walk that way any longer. Today, if you hear his voice, as scripture says, do not harden your heart, right? We are to repent. God has called us to turn from our wicked ways, place our faith in him, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have that available to you today, but do not waste any time, right? We are not promised tomorrow. And why do you want to continue living the life that you live that only led to destruction? Put your faith in him. He is your hope. He is the only hope that we have in this life, right? Praise God. Let's, let's pray.